Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, folks. Welcome back to the last Mountain Swire football podcast. You know what it is. Jeremy here, hanging out with Matt, MWR.com. If we had with a slight schedule hiccup or whatnot, but we're finally here. Lobo Nation, Matt, New Mexico. This That's right. You excited for the for the Lobos? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm glad that we got to talk about New Mexico at this juncture, just because you know over the course of the summer, and I and I, I, I kind of put my thoughts out there on on Twitter every so often. But, you know, New Mexico is the kind of team where the more time I've had to think about them during the offseason, the more my my point of view on their prospects for 2021 has changed. I think relative, relative, relative to every other team in the conference, I guess I would say. So is there a certain spot you want to mention where why it gets changed, or should we, like, when we get to that area, say, hey, this is it? I mean, I think it'll probably come up just within the course of our of our usual kind of run through of, of position by position. Okay. But you know, but I guess if you if you want to start by taking the usual look back at 2020, you know, you have to really talk about the Lobos in terms of like the unique situation that they had to deal with last fall, because you know, not only like everybody else did they get the late start, they also had to deal with not being able to be in Albuquerque for the majority of the season, you know, because they mm-hmm. couldn't practice in New Mexico. So they had to up and relocate to, you know, Las Vegas. And that really added a degree of difficulty that no other team, maybe anywhere in America that had to deal with really. And, you know, despite that, even though they ended up getting off to a really slow start, you know, they lost their first five games of the year, but, you know, within that, opening five-game losing streak. They gave San Jose State a pretty good run for its money, all things considered. You know, they had a one-score loss at, at Hawaii. They had a one-score loss at, quote-unquote, home against Nevada. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, things got weird a little bit at the end of the year, um, but they still managed to pull upsets against both Wyoming and Fresno State. And With, like, a 10th-string quarterback, essentially. 
Yeah, yeah, you're, you're talking about Walk a team that, that had five different players throw throw a pass last year. They they had to pull out the quincher back for you know yeah. some, some some reasons within their control, but mostly for reasons out of their control. They had a lot of turnover at quarterback, a lot of injuries, and so you know you think about a team like the Lobos, and you know the the situation that they had to deal with was unlike basically anybody else in the country. You know, and given what we talked about it seemingly in every single team preview where, you know, it's hard to kind of see the negatives from such a weird season lingering, you know, coming into a, a 2021 campaign where everybody's going to be on more level ground as far as like preparation is concerned. And so you, you sort of have to take stock of, okay, well, what was this Lobos team actually able to accomplish last year? And when you look back, you know, they had a running game that was quietly a lot better than you thought it was. Bobby they, Cole. Brought, they brought in, you know, one of the Mountain West's, you know, highest potentially impactful transfers at any position. You know, they have, uh, you know, a, a, a coach in Danny Gonzalez that, that the, the, the team clearly believes in. There's been a lot of buy-in in the same way that, you know, I, I think of Brent Brennan as kind of the exemplar for that in recent history, but it seems like, you know, Danny Gonzalez and company are well on their way to building that same kind of lasting culture. Um, and I think, you know, all of that considered to kind of, to, to kind of wrap that up all in a nice tidy bow, you know, I think I may have put this out there on Twitter, but it's worth mentioning here because I thought it was sort of interesting. Have you had a chance to look at the, the new Football Outsiders Almanac? No, I haven't. No, you do mention it before about how yeah, we we may have mentioned it on one of the other team preview podcasts. So first of all, we put a post on it too. Go buy it. You'll be an enlightened football fan if you do. But one of the things that that really stood out to me from from the almanac is they always have a rundown of like F plus projections, which you know we've talked about you know Brian Primo's FBI metric plenty of times on the podcast in the past. Of course, you know I'm assuming most listeners are also familiar with Bill Connolly's SP plus. F plus is essentially a combination of those two things. And one of the things that's always included in the almanac is kind of like the, the probability curve for each team's potential records throughout 2021 or throughout the upcoming season. And one of the things that really stood out to me, and I think I wrote about this when I did my kind of breakdown of the F plus projections, is the fact that essentially speaking, New, Me- New Mexico and Utah State have almost the exact same kind of win probability curve. Like they're mm. both given the exact same probability to get to six and six. And they're more or less, you know, to, with the same probability to get to five and seven. And at first glance, you think, well, okay, that's sort of weird. You know, if, if you listen to our Utah State podcast, you think, yeah, you, you kind of come to understand that both Jeremy and I are, are I think, optimistic about Blake Anderson, about their aggressiveness on the transfer portal. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of key pieces, and and we I think we both like their chances to, you know, have a kind of a fast rebound from what happened. To them yeah, close. Games. My yeah. records five and seven, close to a bowl game, so competitive. Yes. So who's so more surprising? Like, you saw that. What was more surprising? Lobos. So like, so like, if you had if you had said that about the Lobos, I would have said you know maybe back in in February or March, be like, okay, well that seems wrong. Almost <laughs> too good, <laughs> but you know, as I'm as I'm hoping we will talk about throughout the course of this preview, when you take a closer look at what they actually accomplished last year, and when you take a look at the moves that they've made in preparation for this season, all of a sudden, it, it like when you take a closer look, 
they are a more interesting team than you know than the kind of team that you would expect to come in you know because they at this point we're talking after Mountain West Media Days where the the media projected them to be last you know even among our own staff we projected them to be last in the Mountain Division yeah. but this is the team that that could surprise there's plenty of things that they have going for them where even if they aren't going to be a conference championship contender in 2021. They're a team that could very seriously be a thorn in the side of a lot of other teams in the conference. Well, you pointed out last year, those two one-score losses to Nevada and Hawaii, those are pretty good teams. Yeah. And so, and they got the two wins. First, I know Fresno State is a little banged up with Ronnie Rivers end of last year, but them coming up, like, not, like, I know we don't take a ton from last year. I think we can take a bit more from New Mexico and other schools because, like you said, they were in Las Vegas the whole time. They couldn't be at home. Their situation was very unique. They were just unorthodox and different, nothing familiar, and they still played pretty well. Like, their fourth game, Utah State, was the only real blowout. San Jose State, not close, but not like a crushing 17-point loss. Not great, but it wasn't getting beat, you know, beat shut out. It was by 30 points. Utah yeah, State, I mean, they, they, I mean, 14 you know, points. They're, they're, they were within still, range. There's still work to be done, to be clear. Yeah. But this is but this is a, a lot more than a team that is simply starting from scratch. I guess that's what I'm saying overall. Yeah, they got remember we even mentioned Rocky Long hanging out there helping that, that defense. Too. Yeah, it's um yeah it there are good spots and last year they're one of the few I think is like yeah they can show more than because it's like oh you play four games who cares mm-hmm. but for them the way they played their games and where how they played them and that they were still not really beat or blown out terribly like you're right they have a lot to work on. But they weren't losing 42 to 6 every week. They were yeah. winning. They were within range. And their worst loss was a 17 point loss to the future conference champions. And that was um, on the road as well. Exactly. So I get, well, sorry, I guess the 28 0 loss to Air Force. But yeah, those, the, the Air Force game was the only one that was really bad. And that, and yeah, that's it. Everything else, they put up points. Um, they won games. They, defense is clearly something needs to work on a bit. But the, just one, Oh, didn't Air Force like also fumble like four times and could have won like fifty to zero? Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's you're right. There's things that look forward to have them be more optimistic to maybe they still finish last, but are five and seven. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So and, and case, in, case in point, you know, I think you, if you want to start where we usually start with the quarterback position, you know, I think you know the Lobos this this fall really present kind of an interesting thought exercise. Because, and, and I'm going to pose this to you because I'm very curious about your answer. Mm. And this is sort of like a fill in the blank exercise. Go for it. Terry Wilson has the potential to be the best New Mexico quarterback since blank. Uh, was Rocky Long a quarterback? He was. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I don't know too many quarterbacks in Mexico. And this is something where, where, where if you're a New Mexico fan, I would be very interested to get your thoughts on this on, on Twitter.com at MWC Wire. Because, you know, when you go back and you look at, you know, New Mexico quarterbacks through history, you know, Lamar Jordan, of course, was the most oh, yeah, recent, yeah, yeah. Okay. he was the most recent success. He's, he wasn't, he wasn't asked to do quite the same kind of thing that you would expect from. Not, uh, I'll tell you who he's not. He's not, it's not Kobayashi. Yeah. But you know, but he, but he, he had over, I think, four, you know, five thousand yards of total offense. You know, he led Mexico to, you know, a couple of bowls, and you know, he was pretty good overall. You know, before him, you've got Donovan Portery, um, 
who I think was probably the standout QB from Rocky Long's first go around as New Mexico's head coach. You know, before that, maybe have to dip all the way back to the '90s to go to Stony Case. Yeah. Um, you know, who's the program's all-time career leader in, in passing yards. But you know, when you look at Wilson, who and, and I'm going to preface this by saying, of course, he's not guaranteed to to win the quarterback job. But you know, just yeah. by virtue of what he brings to the table, he brings instant credibility to that spot in a, in in a different way than like past. Incoming transfers, and I'm thinking primarily of guys like you know Austin Apodaca, who mm-hmm. played sparingly at Washington State before he transferred to the Lobos, or a guy like Sheron Jones, who was you know played very sparingly at Tennessee. Wilson's a guy who has already proven he can get it done on the field. You know he was a starter at Kentucky for 25 games. He has a 17 and 8 record overall. You know, one he, year was ten and three. That one year was actually ranked. It got pretty high. Exactly. Yeah, you know, he led them. Yeah, he led them to a ten win campaign. You know, top twenty five ranking. He snapped. You know, what was a what had been a famous you know losing streak to Florida. You know, they hadn't beaten the Gators since like I think it was like nineteen eighty four or something like that. Um, and he got injured. Does it help? Yeah, and he, you know he got banged up a little bit. You know, between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, but. You know, on the whole, you know, he comes to Albuquerque, and I, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe he's the only quarterback in Kentucky history to have over 3,000 career passing yards and over 1,000 career rushing yards. And so when you go back and look at some of the highlights that, you know, you can go to YouTube, you can go to Twitter, or whatever, whatever your video platform or choice is, He's got the goods. Like, he's got a pretty good arm. He can make throws down the field. You know, he knows how to move within the pocket, and he knows how to make plays down the field with his legs as well. And so I think, you know, obviously it's not a foregone conclusion just yet, you know, because obviously Isaiah Chavez acquitted himself pretty well given the circumstances down the stretch last year. You know, he's still in the conversation you know, maybe Trey Hall gets another crack at the starting job. I think the only person we know who's definitely out of the conversation at this point is Tavaka Tuioti, who I believe as a, a couple of days ago, yeah, he's he's now well, uh, a student. If you want coach. to be honest, um, I've known for about two weeks. This is how, this is coming. So this there you is go. Yeah, not, not news to me. We I yeah, I know we know a guy. But so yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's, reasonably, you could say there's maybe three guys still within the, the competition, you know, Hall and, and Chavez and, and Wilson. You know, maybe Connor Ginnell, who got kind of pressed into duty and, and didn't see that much playing time before he got hurt himself, I believe. Um, but, you know, if, if Wilson does what what I expect him to, personally as an outsider, goes in and wins that quarterback job, all of a sudden that offense looks a lot more interesting overall. Because he gives them a different kind of kind of command, just based off of his past history, that you know, of course, you know, Chavez was a former you know, New Mexico quarterback, high school quarterback of the year in in the state, but you know, that isn't quite the same level of bona fides that Wilson would be bringing to the table, and so that right there is one of the biggest X, X factors for any team in the Mountain West. I'll tell you this: you don't bring in a, a type of transfer to not start and play. Yeah, Terry Wilson will be the starter day one versus Houston Baptist. I mean, if I had to put money on it, I would probably do that too. I'd put a lot of money on it. Trust put, me. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm You're just saying, good. like, you don't bring in a guy. Like, I get the – here's the thing. They played five quarterbacks last year, so they have plenty of QBs. Yes, mm-hmm. there's the vacuum to the injuries is why he's not playing. You have other guys like Chavez, he's young, and 
all a couple different guys here, Trey Hall. But if your quarterback is that deep, even take away um two that's four, still four quarterbacks all played. Mm-hmm. You don't bring I'm just saying you don't bring in this type of guy who had at least one good year. Injuries can be a thing, but he's you don't bring in this type of guy. He, he, was he there during spring? The yeah, you don't bring him. I best. believe he's, he was recovering from injury in the spring. Yeah, he's coming to start. But okay. Yeah. Just it. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, so it's a. It'll be good. Like there'll be a competition. Like it's not a fake competition. Like sometimes we say it'll be a thing. But I just assume, and they probably want him to be the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because that's why they're going to go through. Because Chavez proved he deserves a shot for winning the games last year he played and did well in a in a pinch. And Trey Hall showing a few things, but they just probably want to see what they have in Wilson. Make sure he's healthy. If he's healthy, he's going to be the guy. Exactly. And I think when you, when you when you pair him with a guy like Bobby Cole in the backfield, you know Cole was a guy who you know we we didn't really know that much about him. I think we were all expecting Bryson Carroll to be kind of like the guy in the New Mexico backfield last year. And, you know, as it turned out, Cole ended up being the team's leading rusher. And a lot of that came down the stretch. But, you know, you know, gashing Wyoming for over 100 yards is no easy feat. But, you know, he had 22 carries in that game, and he broke loose for a couple of really big plays that ultimately made the difference in that game. And even if, even if Fresno State was kind of depleted at year's end, you know, you're still looking at a guy who finished sixth in the conference in terms of like total rushing yards and on the season averaged over five and a half yards per carry. And I think, you know, that's nothing, that's nothing to blush at. I think the question for them in the backfield is, you know, if they know Cole is the guy who's likely to lead their committee, what are they going to do about kind of filling in the ranks behind him? Because of course, Carroll has moved on. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Nathaniel Jones, who was the team's second leading rusher last year, you know, he hit the transfer portal. He's gone as well. And, uh, you know, beyond that, you know, Javon Vigilant is gone. Kentrell Morales, Moran is gone. You know, now all of a sudden, you know, they have Cole and a whole bunch of kind of unproven options. And mm-hmm. it's not to say that they don't have, you know, potential talents to be unearthed. You know, they did bring in, you know, one or two freshmen who could be potentially pretty interesting. You know, like Aaron Dumas was their top-rated recruit from the 2021 class. You know, maybe he steps in and, in and makes an impact in the same way that Jones did this time last year. Or maybe they turn to a guy like Chad Alexander, who's a, who's a little bit of a smaller option, you know, kind of the, the speed option to be kind of, I guess what you might call the lightning to Bobby Cole's thunder, let's say. Um so it's not like they don't have options, but I think if, if there's one potential, I don't want to call it a red flag, but maybe if you want to call it a yellow flag, I think that'd be fair. Because I don't necessarily know if you want Bobby Cole to be the kind of guy who takes on 20 carries per game if he, if he doesn't have to. Yeah, he played last year, seven games? Uh, they played, yeah, they played seven games. So it's what, eight, six, six seventh in a game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, yeah, you don't want it too much because he had, yeah, it's hundred about a hundred carries. Yeah, right, it's gonna be we don't here's the thing, it's like in some positions. We don't know who it is, but it's gonna be somebody. Mm-hmm. But with I, I am more concerned than you, they have one great guy, Cole, which he'll take the load of the, the he'll be fine running the ball, but Mexico honestly they've been the bottom of the conference, recruiting bottom of the conference. You gotta bring in freshmen, are they ready to play and what ready to play well enough? I'm a little bit more concerned than you as a dev. Like, Bobby Cole will be fine. He's on the top 50 of Mountain West players this year, so he's good. Mm-hmm. But, but my concern is, like, what happens if he gets hurt or 
has a slow start or something. I just don't know what's there. I mean, I could be wrong just because I don't know who it is. No, I mean, I, I think it's a fair point. You know, Too I think many, if, there's, if there's one potential Achilles heel is that, you know, like I said, I don't want to say that they're thin, but they are definitely unproven behind Cole at running back. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. But mm-hmm. if Cole's there, if he does something similar last year, what, 12, if he gets like 12 touchdowns and 1,000 yards, that'd be great. That'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how it also depends on how close Lobos are in competition. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, so uh, Matt, i uh, got a question for you. Okay. This is going to catch the ball for these guys. <laughs> now, see, that's a good question, too, because it's it's not like they're having to kind of start over, you know, at wide receiver tight end. But, you know, that's definitely another position where, you know, even if they are a little, you know, a little deeper, I guess you would say, than they would be a running back. You know, there's yeah. still a lot of guys that they're bringing in or are asking to step up that definitely have a little bit to prove. So, like, on the one hand, I think like Cole, you could say that Andrew Erickson is a keeper. Because, you know, he stepped up and we didn't, of course, he, I don't think we even mentioned him at all in last year's preview, but he sure. ended up, be, he ended up being one of the team's best receivers. You know, he had 18 catches, only 270 yards, but he averaged 15 yards a catch. And he was one of only, I think, what, 15 guys in the conference to have at least five catches of 20 or more yards. And a freshman last year. Yeah, not bad for, for a guy oh. kind of stepping into a starting role. Yeah, but a I couple, think the, couple. But I think the question is, what are they going to do around him? Because, you know, Emmanuel Logan Green, you know, who I think all in all was was the Lobos kind of leading receiver overall, you know, 30 catches, 277 yards, and, and but he didn't score at all last year. And I think he was perhaps a little bit more, you know, limited as far as creating explosive plays than than I would have expected him to be. Um so I would I would I would expect maybe a little more from him as far as being able to kind of get open and create plays in space if nothing else. And then beyond him, it's sort of like a you know a kind of a grab bag because you know they've got guys who could potentially step up. You know whether it's a guy like Benji Johnson, whether it's a guy like Trace Bruckler, um, you know, or, or Austin Erickson, another Erickson in the fold. Yeah. But you know another guy that's really interesting to me is C.J. Boone. You know the transfer that they brought in from Missouri. 
because he was never really able to kind of crack the crack the starting lineup or, or get a lot of playing time with the Tigers. But he does present a pretty interesting option that makes for a useful contrast to everybody else kind of in that wide receiver unit. You know, he's a guy who's 6'3", so I think he's you know, maybe the yeah. tallest guy in the unit, um, excepting Elijah Queen, uh, a sophomore who's 6'5", who maybe overall, I think those are maybe the two most interesting options of where I'm, I'm looking to see what they contribute you know, if, especially if with a guy like Wilson under center, who we know he can get down the field, you know, maybe they would try and open it up with a lot of play action, get those guys deep and say, okay, go get it with kind of those big physical frames. Yeah, it's also got Marcus Williams, your tight end, is pretty yeah. good. So that helps with some depth there. But, like, yeah, you might, like all the deep stuff, like what Logan Green did, like how many deep passes they had, that Wait, might did be... You say, did you say Marcus Williams? Yeah, is that... He moved, he moved on. Oh shoot, again, another week. Ah, freaking. <laughs> Cause it, well, but they do bring J- Kyle Jarvis back. Okay, we'll who, go with Kyle Jarvis. Who's another, who's, he's another big target. And, you know, he didn't see that many passes last year, but you're still talking to a guy, about a guy who, you know, 6'4", 250. And so, you know, that. Quartet, so that's right? a tight end there for you, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, other than Logan Green, like that quartet right there, you know, Jarvis and, and, and Erickson and Queen and Boone, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's four receivers who are six, two, six, three, six, four. You know, that's the kind of wide receiver size that you don't really see a lot of elsewhere in the Mountain West. No, you see a lot of some smaller guy, depending on the school, but it may be one or two guys, but not up to three to four. Yeah. Like, and and he's not, he's not even the only guy who's, who could, see, who's likely to see a lot of playing time at tight end as well, like the Connor Kinslow. You know, played you know mostly yeah. sparingly. Saw a lot of time in two tight end sets. But, you know, he, hey, he one catch, one touchdown. Come on, exactly. Yeah. Um. So you know, he's a guy who who could definitely grow into that role and be kind of an impact player down you know between the you know between the, the numbers essentially. I do think like what you mentioned, like downfield, because if you kind of look like, feeling sore by like yards per catch overall, it's like only eleven. But there's multiple guys. Okay, yeah, the one fifty or forty nine yard catch, but like. What Erickson did, what Crest, like, I know Crest, whatever, but guys who made, all these guys with 12 to 18 yards per catch. Mm-hmm. They can replicate or a new guy step up and get in there. Like, some are different, like Bobby Cole, okay, 15 yards a catch at the backfield, 75 yards. But if he gets a few more catches, catch and runs, if they go downfield a bit more for certain guys, like, and they might be able to get that to 13 yards per catch. But I think you're right, it's more settled than the running back situation where we literally have not an idea of who's number two is essentially. It's going to be somebody brand new. Here, we got a couple guys that we know. And mm-hmm. with some guys gone, some guy like, apologies again, Marcus Williams gone, had a couple catches per game. Um, but also the touchdowns were only eight too. That's a problem as well. It needs to be changed. They played. Yeah. And that's where I played, think it's not enough. That's not enough. And that's where I think if, if Wilson makes good on what I think we and, and maybe a lot of Logos fans expect from him coming into 2021, you know, he's the kind of physical talent that can really unlock that downfield element where, you know, maybe with, with other guys under center, that was a little more hit or miss. Yeah. It, we'll see. I, it, it, it's a combination of things because we'll get the offensive line because that's a concern as well despite how many guys are coming back. But they need, I think what their best positive thing is in throwing the balls downfield a bit, like you said. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of, it's way different what we've seen with, um, Bob Davy, where they're playing like the pistol and three, four, three guys surrounding the quarterback in that diamond formation. They've come, mm-hmm. come a long way from that. It's going to take 
as it's shown a couple years to transition from that than also what Davey was doing with the living up the tra- not transfer but the JUCO portal whatever. Yeah, yeah. Guys and so it's going to take a couple years. Like this is and with COVID, the recruiting class is hard to get guys there it's because you can't get the full experience of what Danny Gonzalez is trying to preach to get everybody to come to Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. But they're slowly getting there. Transfer here, transfer there. Um, built-in guys that are doing certain things, like Bobby Cole running the ball. I think they're going to get there, but it's still, I like their receiving group. I just, we're going to, it's going to depend on a few other things. We just can't yeah. know who they are. And if they could go a little bit better, like I was saying, a touch better, if you can go from 11 to 13 yards per catch, that's a big deal. Two catch, two more yards per catch, five catches the first down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm saying. They're going to get there. It's, um, I just want to see who's going to step up at certain positions outside, like the top guys, and get to the end zone more. But that more, that's not just the receivers the issue. But let's go to the offensive line where they don't have a ton of size there, which is not good <laughs> typically. But that's not such a shock. Like our happen, but which means it can be it can be a positive too, because if they're more quick and nimble, they're not going to beat off the edge. They mm-hmm. bring. What, four starters, correct? Including Kyle Staples, Staples pretty good center. Mm-hmm. So, they're those guys. However, from what I last year, like you look at all the pass, or what is it, the, um, sack rate, sack percentage. Um, they kind of need to not let the quarterback get sacked as much as last year to this year. However, I don't blame them too much when you have five different quarterbacks with probably three and a half different styles of play. It's kind of not fair to say, hey, keep this guy upright. Cause like Trey Hall got sacked 10 times last year. So, so allow me to attempt to convince you and everybody listening that the offensive line was actually a little bit better than you think. I, I did. I agree. I, I'm going to agree with you because ten sacks are on one one player. Yeah, and and to to your point, you know, on the year they were slightly below the national average in terms of sack rate allowed. It was six point eight percent, which was you know 79th nationally. So you know, not not terrible, but you know, not great, admittedly. But when you were, when you look at what they were able to do in the ground game, especially when it came to run blocking, different story. Yeah, yeah, they were they were 30th nationally in terms of line yards per carry earned. You know, they were 36th in terms of opportunity rate, which is just getting to the second level, getting getting guys like Bobby Cole and, and Carroll to the second level. And they were also 19th in stuff rate, so they weren't getting pushed backwards that often either. And I, and it may, sort of makes you wonder whether you know the the below average sack rate was. More a symptom of quarterbacks simply hanging onto the ball, maybe a bit yeah, scrambling long, yeah. than any, than anything the, the offensive line was doing wrong. And you know when, and not to say this is the end all be all, but one of the things that I think is telling in this regard is if you look at Pro Football Focus's preseason All Mountain West team, and and correct me if I'm wrong, and, and other people can go look this up too, but I believe that New, Nevada is the only other team. That had three offensive linemen listed on its four deep. They went four deep, you said, right? Yeah. So, like, so Pro Football Focus has like the first team, the second team, the third team, and then they have honorable mentions. Okay. And so, while New Mexico, at first glance, and and maybe even with it, sort of a deeper dive into the numbers, maybe they don't have a, like a number of kind of all conference talents. I think Stapley, like you mentioned a minute ago, is maybe the closest one. He's kind of the mainstay there at center. But it's also a unit that may not have any serious weak links because, you know, Austin Cook, 
could be solid, if not spectacular. Mm-hmm. Same with Isaac Gutierrez. Same with Cade Briggs. And, you know, Stapley and Cooker are two guys who maybe could have chosen to graduate and move on. They decided to come back and give it one more go. It's, you know, who's going to replace Teton Saltis? Because I think they're expecting Briggs. I, I believe he was the starter at right tackle last year. Um, and I, I apologize if I'm incorrect about that. But I think they're slotting him in at left tackle. And you know, whoever's going to replace Briggs at the other tackle position is still sort of up in the air. But, you know, you talk about size. One of the candidates that could be replacing him in that starting role is Jamarcus Bailey, you know, true freshman, six foot six and 330 pounds, which, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 the kind of, that's the kind of size you can't teach. And, no. you know, they also still had Ben Davis, who was a transfer from Minnesota on the offense, offensive line as well. Um, they also have Jacob Jankowiak, who's been kind of a spot starter here and there. He's a flex guy on the interior. So, it may not necessarily be the Mountain West's best offensive line, but it's also a long way from being its worst offensive line. And I think it's a unit, like it, it like I think if the offense is going to surprise, Wilson is going to be one big reason why, maybe the biggest reason why. But I think yeah. the continued growth of this line is going to be maybe the, maybe just as important. And bringing back four star or four stars, we have to say it's like, well, how many games do you play is really helpful. It's still helpful. It just depends yeah. how much they've learned from those handful of games. So it's not going to be worse than last year. And there's a couple of things where, like you mentioned, the QB trial run around too much. I, I know he's scrambled, but sometimes they hold on too long where he may just step out of bounds that happen to be a sack because he's one yard behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Like those are kind of cheap sacks whatever. But playing and amount of games they played in, and with the running game being good, they work on the passing. They bring four guys back who started. One giant guy could be coming in to step in to take that fifth spot. It's not going to be, it's going to be better than last year. And not just because they played all the games, but that is, you can't, that can't be guaranteed. That's part of it. Yeah. Because you know, say, cause I remember years ago, oh, so I mean, defense was trash. Everybody comes back. They finally get better after a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You're going to be better. It just depends how much better because everybody's bringing everybody back, but not these young guys. Yeah, yeah, and they also brought in Jack Buford from Missouri as well. I forgot to mention him. So, you know, that's, that's what guys. Yeah, so, I mean, that gives them, like, what, seven, eight different offensive linemen who could feasibly contribute. And that's not to say that they're, that's not to, excuse me, that's to say nothing of the other guys that are on the roster. So, like, they've got a lot of offensive linemen, and I think they're good enough to withstand, you know, a couple blows of injury luck if that, if that does break against them in this fall. Yeah, I think it'll be okay, but overall, the offense, Biggest, I guess the biggest concern would be, or question marks, it's simple. It's quarterback, because we don't know, mm-hmm. and then running back depth. Like, the offensive line should be fine, because there's a turning. Receiving group, it's there. But I think that's those two, the QB running back, where we don't know as much as we'd like to know at this point when fall came starting already. Like, New Mexico as a team is is projected 124th, which is not great. Obviously, nope. There's only 130 teams, folks. Yeah, but their offense is is projected to be 96th, and so just by way of comparison, yeah, yeah, we we haven't talked about Hawaii on the team preview podcasts yet, but the Warriors projected 91st. Colorado State is projected 102nd. Air Force's rate is is projected 92nd. So, like you said, it's it's not going to take much for them to kind of to kind of beat what I think are the, maybe the commonly held expectations for this unit. Where you, like, I think it's tempting to say New Mexico, well, they're, like, what are they going to do? 
in the mountain division. But, you know, when you take a step back and you look and they've got a, a very well qualified former SEC quarterback, they've got, you know, a top six, potentially top three or four running back in the backfield. They've got at least one established big play option. They've got a capable tight end and they've got a quality offensive line. The, like that's more than a, than a number of other teams in the conference can boast. It's true. That's why you're probably hiring them to win a few more games than most people. Conversely, though, Ooh. conversely, conversely, though, I think if there's if there's one thing that could potentially limit this team ceiling in 2021, it's the defense. Um, yeah, just kind of going back to that SQ plus metric for a second. Um, as, as relatively rosy as the offensive projection is, the Lobos are also projected 128th on that, on, on the defensive side of the ball, which is not great. And, and they, they definitely had some work to do on that side of the ball. And, and granted, some of last year's struggles came down to really struggling with field position. Like, did you realize that they, you know, on average, they were giving up nearly six yards of field position from their offense to their defense? That's terrible. I didn't realize that. And, and by the so, way, where does that um, rank? Do you know where that ranks now? Uh, 112th nationally. They, the mm-hmm. opponents started their drives on average on the 33 yard line. And oh. by the way, quick shout out to Parker Fleming at stats o war on Twitter. Yes. For his, follow for his all the time. Follow, follow, follow. Uh, CFB. Dash graphs.com. All sorts of really great information, which is exactly where I got that field position stat from. But, you know, more to the point, like, you know, they, they definitely, um, had some struggles defending the run in particular. You know, you're looking at a team that, you know, they gave up nearly five yards to carry. Um, they still struggled to defend the pass as well. They gave up nine yards per attempt. Um, you know, gave up 18 touchdowns as a unit. Um, far and away the highest completion percentage allowed in the conference, over 65%. Um, so, you know, there's, there's still work to be done, but again, I think it helps that they're bringing back a, at least a, a decent amount of talent to help shore that up. They do, but man, I, as I mentioned before in the lines, like, oh, they'll be, bring these guys back. They'll be good. Mm-hmm. It was not good. The Fresno State crushed them passing the ball. Um, the first couple of games, they couldn't stop passing the, stopping the pass defense, or the deep pass defense could stop anybody. They're near the bottom of the conference in yards per play allowed, just, um, above UNLV, who was over seven yards per play. Something's got to give, because you mentioned, like, the offense is top 100, which, whatever, I think it'll be a touch higher. Defense, it's, I, oh man, they have the pieces coming back. Mm-hmm. They have some, which is good. But they can't do what they did last year. Like they got Jarek Jarek Reed back there, who's pretty good. But the pass rush didn't get off the ball. They did. Here's a problem: if your if your pass rushes are very good, your pass defense is going to be suffer because your corners and safeties can't cover for an extra two to four seconds, whatever it may be. It may seem short, but a couple seconds make a big deal, especially if you're scrambling, changing the routes, whatever. It's because the quarterback has time. Mm-hmm. One, like up front has to slow something down to help the back backfield as well. Yeah, and I mean, th- I think you know a lot of guys that we weren't familiar with are, got thrust into some pretty big roles last year, and, and maybe yeah. you know there was definitely a very steep learning curve in in that trial by fire. So like I, you know, pretty much everybody who on the defensive line in particular who 
saw a significant amount of playing time is coming back. So like, you know, Joey Noble, who, you know, had, he had his moments is like, especially in that Wyoming game, yeah. he had a really big sack, I believe, to, to shut down a Cowboys drive. You know, he had four sacks last year. He's back. You know, he started all year long. You know, same with Ben Gonzalo in the, in the middle. You know, he had a, a three sacks, I believe. Uh, Jake Saltonstall is back. And they're also getting some reinforcements who I think the, you know, the, the Lobos coaching staff is expecting more from in 2020. And so I'm, I'm looking at guys in particular like Omar Durame. I'm looking at guys like Justin Harris, who didn't play last year, but who's a, who was a 6'6", 259 guy at defensive end. You know, I think maybe if there's one concern up front, it's the fact that when you look at a defense that's playing a 3-3-5 like the Lobos are, maybe you might be a little concerned that they're still a little bit undersized, you know, relative to like, you know, San Diego yeah. State, for example, which, which occasionally has a, a 300 pound guy in the interior who can kind of eat up space. New Mexico isn't going to have that luxury this fall. And so they're going to have to get creative and hope that those undersized guys can hold up long enough for the linebackers behind them to clean up. That's the problem. They got to, they got to be better somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like I said, if you don't stop up front, and repeat myself, go rewind 30 seconds lesson, but they need to get there. That's yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's fair to expect that there'll be, you know, there'll be a mild bit of improvement just by virtue of having a, a, a more regular offseason to prepare. And they'll definitely be deeper. But I think the, the real question is more of, like, how much better are they going to be? Because if they're a little bit better, yeah. then that'll be fine. But if they're a lot better, that's where you start thinking about pulling an upset or two down the line. So what's a lot better? If the... SP plus or whatever was it F F plus or SP plus? It was like what? Well, let's let's put it like this. Like going back to some of those those metrics I threw out there for for the offensive line earlier. You know, in terms of line yards per carry, they were 114th nationally. Like if if they improved to a hundredth, mm-hmm. that might be that might be like within the realm of like I think the most like maybe the middle of the bell curve if you want to establish that. So that's, that's what I'm thinking like, what do you in, think terms is of, in terms of like mild improvement. I think a big improvement is that they improved to like 90 or 80 something. And I think that that holds equally true for something like opportunity rate where, you know, they got blown off the ball a lot last year. They were 123rd by that metric. Um, you know, stuff rate, they were right around the national average is 17.4%. So maybe there's some hope that they can improve that. Plus, like I said, a sack rate, uh, which again wasn't bad. It was you know seventy sixth nationally, six percent overall. That was more or less um, you know right in line with you know being you know competent, if not necessarily spectacular. So if if they take a mild step forward on that front, that could also make them a little bit more interesting. But I think primarily it's just about getting better defending the run, and I think maybe having more bodies up front that they can rotate in and out. It's gonna it's gonna serve them better in the long run because maybe they weren't able to do that as often as they would like or or have guys that they could count upon as often as they would like last year. So look at the schedule for you mentioned passing versus running. The running games they face, like I'm not gonna include Texas and I'm just gonna crush them. It doesn't matter. But like the only running games that really really should scare them is San Diego State, Air Force, and Wyoming. Boise State has a good running game, but nothing compared to what those guys have. And then you look at who passes a ton, probably just Boise and Fresno. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who's going to excluding whatever Texas A&M brings? So they're not facing a huge schedule of like CSU. They'll be okay. Nothing great. Like San Diego State won't be able to throw the ball well. Air Force doesn't throw the ball. UNLV 
you know, Charles Williams, but he's hit or miss depending on how the rest of the offense goes. Mm-hmm. Fresno is more balanced, but like look at who they play. Like there's no team on here that's outside of a couple. Like like who's the best passing team on here? Is it probably Boise State and Fresno State? Yeah, I think it's fair to say. It's only two teams, and we'll see. Boise State might be playing two quarterbacks. We don't know who the QB is. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if you get my point. I'm saying like the passing teams they play plus Wyoming TBD because they say they're open up, but I don't really trust them or know yet. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be all these games where they're going to get crushed in the ground or crushed in the air. There's only a couple games, like maybe, okay, half their schedule, but nothing. If you get my point, Air Force tough run the ball. They got shut up mm-hmm. last year. Those teams that will test them, there's not over, they're not going to be overly tested by nine games of a combination of somebody who could run amazing or pass amazing. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps them a bit as well. Outside of like the toughest two would be Air Force running and probably – Maybe Fresno passing. No, the first of boys, you're kind of even passing. I'd give Fresno maybe a slight edge, but they're, they're not. The schedule is not overrun with teams that are going to air it out or just be run, 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 like elite running, yeah, or elite passing. So it helps them and, out a bit to stay in range if they even improve to like 100, maybe about 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that you know pretty much everything I said about the defensive line is almost all true for the linebackers as well. Because, but I think the big difference between those two units is, you know, when you think about the three through five, and you think about Rocky Long's history in particular, you know, you think to San Diego State, and you always think of like the Aztecs having one linebacker who can go in and just like wreck a drive. You know, you you got like your Calvin Munsons, your Kaiva Tizinos, um, your Cade McDonalds, guys like that, right? New Mexico didn't really have that last year. And it's not necessarily a given that, that, like, you know, that they have it in 2021 either. I think if you're looking at past precedents, maybe the guy you're keeping an eye on is Brandon Shook, who, you know, led the defense and had perceptions and can rack up like, you know, nine, 10, 11 tackles for loss or, and seven or eight sacks or things like that. You know, it, and if it's not him, is it, for example, is it going to be a guy like, you know, Devin Sanders, who, you know, had 32 tackles and a loss in a tackle for loss last year? Or is it going to be a young guy like Dion Hunter or, you know, a, a kind of a veteran guy like Rico Hanna? You know, they've got options, but I think if, there, if there's one big thing that could potentially hold them back from reaching their full potential, it's just finding that guy who's going to get in there and disrupt, get into the backfield and stop the line, stop the running back for a yard or two loss, get in there and make that critical sack on a second down that forces the third and long. Um, you know, I, that was something that was sort of MIA for long stretches for them last year. And I, and, and I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's going to come from the linebacker position, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that Rocky Long is looking for that guy. In the linebacker position before well, you have else. to, you have to, right? Yeah, because I because I, I don't know that there's a guy in the defensive line who's likely to do it. And so, you know, if if I had to put my money anywhere, I would put, I would probably put it on Shook because you know he's he's done a little bit of he's flashed a little bit of that potential over the last couple of years. But I think if if, if there's one thing that's going to unlock the defense in the same way that like you know going back to the offense for just a second, like bringing Terry Wilson is is. If, if he claims that quarterback job and plays up to his potential, he unlocks that offense. If Shook can be that guy for the defense, that's another thing that changes a lot of different things. 
Yeah, let him tackle, just do a bit better, open other things up, because if he gets how much better, it could be somebody else, like Devin Sanders or whoever else. Somebody, some other outside guy can make mm-hmm. a play because they're to focus on it. So what about the secondary? We mentioned Jarek Reed a little bit ago. Um, four picks, which is good. Gets get it back a little bit. And that three three five is different because there's that fifth, obviously, linebacker slash DB. Mm-hmm. We mentioned earlier on, like, their passing defense, whew, not ideal. And they're not playing anybody amazing passing this year, so that you think they give them some sort of hope. But I don't, I wouldn't bank on just because they're playing teams that don't pass a little, that'll be better. They need to be better against teams that do pass the ball. Cause like, we look at what they did, like, yards per game, not a great stat, but worse in the conference. Like, teams threw on them over 30 times a game, not good. The quarterback rating was the best by far, or not best, but the, the, I guess the worst, but the highest. So teams against them threw really good where the, they're at the bottom of that barrel, the highest key rating against. Like, they didn't have many, any, many interceptions. They led the conference in TDs allowed. Like, yard, almost the first down per attempt. Like, it was just awful. 65%. Like, every category you can look at, they're basically bottom three in the conference. Yeah, I know, and I think, you know, if, if you want to be, Gracious and maybe, oh boy. And, maybe and, and, right, and going back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast <laughs> and just kind of write off 2020 as a really weird year where yeah. everybody was sort of playing catch up and not everybody could get a feel for the defense in the way that they wanted to. You know, that is sort of like laying the optimistic case for this defense because, you know, I think every guy who could potentially be a starter is back. And that is a really good starting point, if nothing else. So, like, Reed, of course, is the guy who was an all-conference performer, was a preseason all-conference guy a couple weeks ago. You know, he's sort of the anchor as a safety. But, you know, we've seen Dante Martin play well. as a, as a, We saw him play well as a freshman a couple of years ago. You know, he's back at one of the cornerback positions. Tavian Combs, I think, has a lot of promise at that Lobo position, kind of playing the Parker Baldwin role, Tariq Thompson yeah. role. Um, you know, maybe he still has a little bit of learning curve, but maybe he's one of those guys who benefits the most from having just a regular offseason to get familiar with the role and all the ins and outs of, of calling shots and things like that. Um, you know, I think he's one of those kind of young players in the conference that had, that could potentially be a breakout candidate this year. Um, and beyond him, Patrick Peake is back. You know, he has a couple of years of starting experience. You know, Tony Collier and Corey Hightower give them at least a couple of, of decent quarter cornerback options to start opposite Martin. So again, it's not that they're starting from scratch, but I, I would imagine that they're just going to get, um, kind of a, a little bit more from, from the team as a unit rather than looking for one guy to kind of be the, to lead the charge. I think it will be kind of incremental improvements across the board that'll help them rebound overall. Okay. Yeah, it, it, they it's something that needs to be done. But I think you go back to the first thing you said, a regular off season, Rocky Long's a smart guy for running the defense. He will get these guys in the best position to play well. Mm-hmm. And so after seeing them a year of playing, for a full spring as well, there's gonna be adjustments made to help this unit overall. Exactly. I guarantee they won't be the worst in conference every category. They may, may not be the best. And it goes back to the million things I say. It's just like 5%, 10% better. The better would be great. Like, if they give up 25, 28 fewer yards per game, like passing, like, that's great. If they go from 9 yards, 8 yards, giving up, like 10%, like, just a little bit here and there, 
that's a big deal because, you, like you mentioned, yardage is mad. It's like you mentioned the starting field position, the six yard, what six and a half yard difference. Mm-hmm. If if it's not that, if it's they're not starting the mid thirties, they're starting the late twenties yards. Like those five to ten yards are a big deal. But look for all these adjustments to be made, pass breakups. They'll be in better position to make plays. And again, I think it kind of goes back to who they're playing because look at the, like when they were playing last year's schedule, they still played. They played San Jose State, throws the ball well. They didn't do all that great. Played, played, uh, Air Force, rest of the ball were, were very well, was pretty bad. Like mm-hmm. the teams they played, you could tell where they struggled or didn't when they were elite passing or running the ball. They did beat Fresno State. They did beat, um, who was the game before? Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming, yeah. They run the ball very well. They beat them. So it's a little bit different. So it's hard to say, oh, they lost. But then again, when they lose, they weren't losing bad like we talked about. Like, you just, you just expect them to add and put up like 45 points and go for like 400 yards. They did not. Trey Hall led the team in passing that game with 195. Like, you know what I mean? Like, those guys, or not the team, but sorry, my mistake. But like, if you look at what they did, it's, sorry, I'm rambling here. But my point being, even when they, we look at the numbers were bad, look how close they were with them being that bad. Yeah. So outside, like, back to the Air Force blowout, yeah. And San Jose State wasn't, no, it wasn't all that close. They were the only. If if we think what we know about to do, the only real shocker last year is probably Utah State losing to them forty-one twenty-seven, right? And the defense gave up. That was like the worst, the worst performance of the year, essentially. Because I'm like a bad surprise. Like they're close to Nevada. We didn't expect that coming. Close to Hawaii, no. San Jose State early on, that probably looked bad from week one or week two just because of what they did. But the defense. Like they're that bad, they were that bad, but they're close. If yeah. that makes sense. It so does. like I said, that that little bit better. Maybe they beat Nevada if they slow down Carson Strong or Romeo Dubs or something. Like if they do a, a touch more, totally touched them. They lost that game. They lost six point game, like a six point game in that matchup. Like mm-hmm. Dubs had a thirty three yarder touchdown, he had a sixty one yarder, fifty nine yarder. He had those th- three really deep touchdowns, and that kind of. Those small again, it's it's cheesy and dumb, not dumb. It's like makes sense. The small increment matters, and they're going to be better. And I think Long's going to outcoach somebody. There's going to be a game on schedule. I'm probably not going to pick it now. There's going to be some random game. Like how in the heck did they beat somebody on the road? Like for whatever schedule, we'll get the schedule. But like how the heck they're going to beat Wyoming or something? Or I'm just rambling teams off our Air Force. Yeah. There's going to be a game. It's like what the heck did they do? I'm not going to pick it now. But there's going to be a game because what Rocky Long does that they're going to beat somebody. Yeah, I can see that. So what about special teams? Sort of dicey in some respects. <laughs> I mean, I think that the return game has the potential to surprise. You know, between Chad Alexander and Emmanuel Logan Green, yeah. you know, they may not be like in the, uh, the uh, I guess what you might call the Avery Williams, Avery Scarver, Savon Scarver tier. But I think they're sol I think they're solid, if, if nothing else. And so I don't think they're they're you know the return game is going to actively hurt them. I think the biggest questions for them is getting more consistency from the from the kickers, whether that's Andrew Shelley or, or George Steinkamp, because that was definitely a, a uh, if you want to be charitable, a net negative for them last year. I think Steinkamp was only what six of eleven on field goal tries. Um, that's not going to get it done. And so I think whoever wins that job is just going to have to be better because, you know, when you compare them to other kind of stronger kickers in the conference, it, you know, that kind of performance leaves them wanting. And for a team that, 
you know, is looking for every edge that it can get to kind of get back to respectability, you know, being more consistent when you have scoring opportunities is one of those obvious things that, you know, if they can get it done, they can surprise. And then the other big thing is having to replace Tyson Dyer at punter, which, you know, we'll kind of have to wait and see how that shakes out because they've got a couple of freshmen, I think, who are dueling, uh, you know, Jared Long, uh, Connor with, with oft. So we'll see. But I think it's fair to say that they've got some big shoes to fill in that, in that role as well. Yeah. Um, that's one thing too, like special teams overall, it's like, just don't screw up, right? That's kind of what Nexo can't afford. There like you if go. The defense, if the defense makes a play or something like they make a good stop, like just don't mess it up, right? Is that, yeah. is that too hard to, too hard to do? <laughs> no, that, that's reasonable. I'm just saying, but you get my point there. It's like they need any little bit they can have to help them get better and be better. I'd agree. All right, schedule time. Let's do it. Do you have a FCS minute with Houston Baptist? Unfortunately, I don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forego my FCS minute on Houston Baptist, and I'm just gonna call it a win. Go and go read Roger's piece on Houston Baptist. He did a while back, early preview. So go check it. And it, it's gonna be a win. This is gonna be a good chance to see who the quarterback is, see what the defense can do. And Houston Baptist is not, from what I recall. And no, they're not a very good um, FCS team. Not so, really, no. Victory. So here's what we got next. They're one of the perfect. Good. They start off strong. <laughs> they both as they should. Then they go to. Or excuse me, not go to. They host. It's like a, it's a nine days because that game's September second. This game's September eleventh. They play New Mexico State. Their rival Rio Grande rivalry. Rio Grande rivalry on the road. <laughs> And outside of a couple of years ago when they won the Arizona Bowl, the Aggie Bowl, well, I'm not going to mention that bowl game again, but <laughs> um, they, haven't, they haven't been very good. They've been in the wilderness. They, independent wilderness by far, right? They're if you, if, if you want to be nice about it. Uh, that's, that's nice. Nice as I can get about it. It's not going to be uh, a good team. No, they, um, they, we mentioned before, they played in the spring. Couple games losing to like Tarleton, whatever Tarleton State is, forty-three mm-hmm. seventeen. Dixie State thirty-six twenty-nine. Or they beat Dixie State. Sorry, but like when they're really beating these FCS teams and losing bad, they only get a couple games in. Um, I don't know. They brought in JUCO quarterback who didn't play very well in two games last year, but it's hard to tell. Again, with two games, it's hard to really tell. But when they play two teams of that caliber and struggle, we're not optimistic. Yeah, and. The best receivers from a couple years ago were gone. Um, all the guys like maybe Terrell Warner who catch the ball a little bit, but eight catches in two games. But there's, it's just a bunch of transfers. That's all they have. That's all they're doing right now to try to build things back up. New Mexico so, should win that game handily. They should. Like the pass protection isn't very good. So they're not, it, it's, it's going to be another victory. Let's just keep it simple there. Texas A&M a loss. Who didn't even talk about the Aggies? This other Aggies because they're going to crush them so bad. Aggies are, I mean, Aggies are pretty good. I think, I mean, I think we owe it to our New Mexico listeners to talk at yes. least a little bit about A&M. Um, because, I mean, I, I mean, and you probably follow Texas football a little bit closer in general than I do. But would oh, it be yeah. fair to say that, that, that A&M is maybe a quarterback away from being like a very serious playoff contender? Dude, they've been a quarterback away forever. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, they had thing. Kellen Mond, who was, you know, he wasn't he's elite, fine. but he was, he was pretty good for a long time. Yeah, um, I saw Nick Starkle as well a while back and too. I, and I know that they've got a couple of quarterbacks that the, that are competing to be the QB one this year. Zach Calzada, who's more of like the uh, 
the traditional type quarterback and Haynes King was more of like the dual threat guy. Um, you know, they've got like a, a potential Mackey award winner in Jalen Weidermeyer. They've got yeah. you know, one of the SEC's best running backs in Isaiah Spiller. Plus um, others. Yeah. Plus they, you know, they've got an, a potential Outlands trophy winner in Kenyon Green, uh, in a, in a, in a few different scary potential future NFL draft defenders. Um, you know, you know, cheap among them to Marvin Leal, who last I checked was, you know, getting a lot of helium as maybe the first defender off the board in next spring's draft. I guess we'll have to wait and see, but that kind of gives you, uh, uh, a sense of the potential talent disparity oh, on display in this re- game. Receiver Nia Smith will probably get about four carries a game. Okay. And they have a track star, Devon Acne, gets about nine yards a carry. So, they have weapons everywhere. <laughs> this is a game where it's going to look bad. It's going to be like 46 to 10. And yeah, they have receivers everywhere, tight ends. They have like, you mentioned Wattenmeyer. They're, they're good. It's going to be, it's going to be the toughest game by far. And this will be a good, like, it'll be a good test because like when you play these t- t- teams that are that good, when you get the conference player or the league teams playing, it'll be, oh, it's a little bit easier. We're not playing this type of juggernauts. Because Aggies are a team that, shoot, I don't recall where they finished in the media for SEC West, but LSU was fans. What was that? I didn't say anything. Oh, it'll be. Let's just say this: A and M has shot to win the SEC this year. That's all I'm saying. At least okay. Yeah, and that sounds about right. Yeah, LSU lost their guy got quarter in broken arm. Um, Missouri, no. LSU, no. I forget who's in the West. Is Auburn in the West, right? They are. Tennessee? Nah, nothing. No, they're in the East. No, they're in the East, yeah. yeah. It's the Aggies. It's probably the Aggies to lose. Arkansas is in there, right? Is Arkansas going to get them? No. No. <laughs> All right, then we get to UTEP. I want to see a guaranteed victory because they're on the same level. Of the, they're almost on the same level of the Aggies of the Mexico State. That's going to be a really interesting litmus test for both sides. And, and we talked about the miners a little bit in our Boise State podcast, but it's been a while, and so I figure it's maybe worth revisiting them here. Because obviously they, they've had uh, maybe, I guess, what you might call a dearth of success over the last few years. So they beat a couple of crappy, you know, they beat a crappy Louisiana Monroe team. They beat a couple of FCS teams. But even beyond that, you know, they, they had a close loss against a pretty good Louisiana Tech team. They had a close loss against North Texas. And I think a lot of, a lot of their success in 2021 will come down to like how much progress in the offense can make in particular. Um, because they do have one of the Conference USA's better wide receivers in Jake Cowling, who's only a sophomore, but he averaged over 17 yards catch a couple of years ago. Um, you know, they have one of the, the conference's kind of brightest young running backs in Deion Hankins, who ran up for almost 600 yards last year. Nineteen. And they've got a couple. Yeah, that too. And, and they've got a couple of pieces in their defensive front who could make waves too, especially on their, their defensive line. You know, Keenan Stewart and Praise on the Wule are, are no joke. Like they, they can play, which is not something that you would normally think of when you think of like UTEP football. So New Mexico isn't necessarily going to be able to walk into this game and expect to win. Like UTEP's improved. Good enough. And, and they're going to be motivated to beat New Mexico. So it's going to be a really important game for both sides. I think New Mexico is going to win, 
But it's going to be a lot more competitive, I think, than it would seem at first glance, especially if you haven't been paying attention to UTEP over the last couple of years. Yeah, they've been, they got enough coming back this year to make a possible sort of jumper leap. But it's also a formal rival game, too. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal for those older Lobos and, and uh, minor fans. So I do have them winning, but I think this might be the most even match that they face all year. It's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, and then when you get into conference play, you see the road schedule? It's brutal. It's tough. At San Diego State, at Wyoming, at Fresno, at Boise State, their toughest. I would would you say all their toughest games are on the road? Air Force. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that that's fair to say. To be honest, like as 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 charitable as the the non conference schedule is, the conference schedule is pretty rigorous. Yeah, like home. Yeah, home game to Air Force, CSU, UNLV, like Utah State, like. I'll say right now, they're not winning any of those road games. Okay. San Diego State, no. Wyoming, no. Fresno, no. Boise, no. Not so going, going back to your earlier point then about, you know, if they surprise that they're going to pick <laughs> someone. <laughs> oh, so, so of those four road games in particular, which one do you think that the Lobos are most likely to steal? San Diego State. I think you're probably right. Because quarterback plays a mess. At least at this point. Running game, Greg Bell's good, but past couple of years of running game has just been, I know it's hard to predict injuries, but it's been, unfortunately, snake bitten in that area. I and think receiver, if, they, if they win that game, it's going to look a lot like last year's Wyoming game. Yeah, what was that 17 16? Mm hmm. It's a low scoring game because, yeah, like, they don't throw the ball very well. And until they prove wrong, I'll keep saying it. But that's the, we look at everybody else, like, Wyoming, yeah, the quarterback play. They don't traditionally throw well, pass play well, but those guys in there, Sean Chambers or maybe Levi Williams for some reason, they can move the ball well. For, even though they beat Fresno State last year, it's different with the injured Ronnie Rivers. Mm-hmm. And both teams do more. Here's the when you look at this, all those teams, they all do stuff well. Whoever does the worst out of all those, out of all the position groups, kind of the very important ones, San Diego State's by far the bottom. Mm-hmm. A quarter, quarterback play and receiver play essentially, because that yep. goes hand in hand. And I'll say more broadly, like when I look at that eight-game conference slate, it seems like most of their chances to steal a win or two are front-loaded. Like, doesn't it? Because uh, especially yeah. those those first three games, which again, no no guineas, and I don't think they're likely to be favored in any of them. But you know, they get they're at home against the Air Force, then they travel to Carson to face the Aztecs, and then they're at home against Colorado State, and like. I'm not saying it's the most likely path, but it would not shock me if they won two of those three games. I would give them one, and it might be Colorado State. That's the closest one, I would say. I mean, I think if Air Force falters, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and, and New Mexico can kind of turn it into a game of possessions where it's it's a little more defensive-minded than either of us would expect, I think that's probably their best chance to kind of steal one from the Falcons. But I think I'm with you. I think if, if New Mexico can take a big step forward on offense, even against teams like, and I think we're both in agreement that we expect the Aztecs and the Rams to have pretty strong defenses of their own. But I think if New Mexico can take a bigger leap on offense to kind of counteract that a little bit, that I think is where their opportunity to surprise really comes from. I don't know, man. It, it is, but I just... When you look at their home games, you mentioned Air Force already, right? We got them. Yeah. You got CSU. 
the only home game we got, like, UNLV and Utah State, the other two home games. Could they beat Utah State? Possibly. Maybe I have them beating UNLV because I don't really trust UNLV at the moment because as soon as Same. the QB situation. Yeah, I do too. QB issues, um, let's take Martell, probably not. Is it just for Rodgers? But apparently some people there, like, Rodgers isn't a clear-cut guy, so there's that, which is fine. If it's not him, it's fine. Plus, he barely played last year, but that's, like, the only league game I have them winning, unfortunately. Like, Utah State and CSU are close. Like, that's it's going to be another struggle, but I hope it's similar to last year. They're close. They can upset some teams. There's some hope and optimism going into another mm-hmm. year for Danny Gonzalez, but I don't have the wins coming this season. No, I mean, and neither do I. That's why I have them going four and eight overall, and and with the one conference win against UNLV. Yeah, we're basically the same this time. Nice. <laughs> but I mean, um, but but you say that, and then kind of going back to what I said right at the very beginning of the podcast, as far as like F plus F plus win probabilities, four and eight is the most likely scenario for this team. Yeah. With a basically a twenty seven percent chance that that's like one and four. Yeah. And and kind of getting more to the point of what we talked about, about their ability to maybe steal a win or two, you know, you look at their, their chance to get to six and six in particular, to like, so like to bounce all the way back to full eligibility. I mentioned at the beginning that they're given the same probability as Utah State. Both the Aggies and the Lobos have a 15% chance by F plus to get to six and six. So that's roughly one and six. Yeah. And that kind of sounds right, doesn't it? Yeah, because I could... See them beating CSU and, and Utah State potentially. Now put them at six and six. Mm-hmm. Uh, how likely all three of those? Not, but there's a talent wise, it's closer than it's not going to be any blowouts. It'll be fairly close. I wouldn't count them out in those games. The only games I like, count them like out even in, if, like even if they do end up finishing last in the Mountain Division, which I think we're probably both on the same page that we're, we're mm-hmm. kind of seeing that for them in 2021. They're going to be a lot more interesting than your average last place team. Hope so, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just I think they were interesting last year. People just didn't pay attention to them. Yeah, and that's and that's why kind of going back to to my original point where you know if this was one of the first podcasts that we did, I might have had a little bit of a dimmer outlook for them. But the more time I've had to think about like what they've actually done over the course of the off season, the more I've kind of warmed up to their to their opportunity to be a little bit of a player in the Mountain West. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, it, and it kind of goes back to the broader point that we, that we come back to week after week, which is, you know, all of this is going to be very hard to predict because everybody's got a ton of production coming back. Yes. And every week looks like it's going to be a fist fight. And New Mexico is no exception. I guess that's what I'm kind of getting to. I think this year, I just say it's going to be coaching is going to be maybe the biggest deal. Yeah. Of why teams are better or not better. And Lobos have two really good defensive coaches up front, Gonzalez and Rocky Long. Exactly. Glaw Gonzalez is inexperienced as a head coach, but what he went through last year didn't help him down the road and what Rocky Long's done. It's gonna be yeah, it's I don't know how it's weird. I don't know how fun they're gonna be to watch, but they're gonna be interesting to keep things relatively close, I think. I think they'll be pretty fun. Especially I hope they, so. especially if they hit their stride early. I guess yeah, Bobby Cole's a good guy. They got good stuff. I'm just like for, I don't know, for some reason I think Utah State has more like they're going back similar. I think they're more interesting than New Mexico, but I don't want to not disrespect Lobos. I just think what Utah State has and what they can do with certain players, they might be able to do, be more fun or interesting to watch. I'm not saying Lobos won't, but I just kind of lean that way toward Aggies with, if they use Avon Scrubber properly, don't want the Henry Cole, Logan Bonner there. 
But look, like if if Terry Wilson can be seventy percent of what he was at Universe Kentucky, that's going to go a long way. There you go. So, anything else to add for this team? Or are we going to wrap it up and get ready for next time? I think we are pretty much all set. All right, that's it. Yeah. So Lobos four and eight. You have them four and eight. We have two more teams left, Hawaii and UNLV. Am I correct on that this time? That is correct. So if you can't teams, I can get it right. So we'll be back shortly. We're going to wrap these two up. Uh, we have our big preview. Then the season's here. We got, three, what, we're three weeks away? Something like that? Three and we're a half? Take, yeah. Whew, depends when you listen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so check us out at MWR.com. We have the countdown going on. We've got some previews. Also a few uh, interesting kind of Top game type stuff we're going to do right before the season begins. So check that out. MWCR on Twitter where we're tweeting about just um, everything college football going on. So we'll see you next time. And we'll, um, yeah, two more teams and season will be here.